Welcome, everybody. This is Roots to Grooves. I'm Jesse. Sitting right to my left is Jay Purcell, the founder of Signal Radio. Also here is Moozy. is a very special episode today of Roots to Grooves. Um, so we are excited. Thank you for being here, Moozy. What's up, Jay? Hey. How you doing? How's everyone doing? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> We're doing great. It's, it's very early here. It's I'm very usually, early. I'm not usually awake at this time of the day. It's uh, 10 <laughs> or 11 a.m. Seattle time. What, how is it for you, Musi? Um, it's 8 o'clock, yeah, <laughs> at night, so... <laughs> at night? Yeah. When, when's bedtime for Musi? Oh, like 2 a.m., bro. Like, like I start creating oh. at, like, 10. Okay. I, I, I like creating at night, so I'll start creating at 10, and then, like, probably, like, 2 or 3, I'll go to sleep. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, let's, let's get into it. So, Musi is a great artist hailing out of uh, South Africa. Um, doing uh, mixing up urban music, electronic music, and some more local to South Africa type stuff like uh, Muscanti, is it called, or Cueto? Yeah, 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 Cueto. Very cool. Yeah. Cueto. Yeah. Awesome. We've been trying to get some of these um, pronunciations of these oh, no, new it's words. Okay. It's all good, man. I'll help you all. <laughs> You're all my... Okay, help us Best. out, please. That's we're here to learn. We're here to grow. So, where are you at right now? Are you in Johannesburg? Or? Yeah, 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 I stay in Johannesburg. Yeah. Is in Johannesburg that they still have that that spaceship that was in the that's sitting over the city in that one movie <laughs> <laughs> on District Nine? Have you seen District Nine? <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, I have. Nah, that's not <laughs> nobody seen. <laughs> you, we survived. Hey, that's a good movie. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> um, but yeah, give us a bit of an overview, like maybe for the listeners, um, like, you know, how many releases you've had out, like, yeah. kind of like, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, talk to us yeah. about Muzi. What have you, oh man, what have you done? What have you achieved? Uh, yo, where do I even start? Like, um, uh, okay, albums, like releases. I have, what, four albums out, and I have two EPs out and like some singles in between that like i think my catalog now is like at 70 something songs which is cool like in the last five years i think five six years so i've been releasing like um almost every year if it's not an album it's an ep and the music itself is like i don't know how to describe it man if i'm being honest like it's just like feeling based more than anything else and um i guess me taking stuff from like what i heard when i was growing up and then like obviously mixing it up and and trying to make it sound like me um and mm -hmm. yeah yeah but the music really is like i guess it's for whoever's listening like they can tell me what it is i'm just like creating it <laughs> yeah i don't have time to like name a genre no that's yeah. fair we could yeah talk all day about the genre names yeah uh what, what have you achieved as far as your feeling you know like i know you're a yeah. father You've you've yeah. played huge music festivals, so your music is out there. You're you're kind of representing South Africa, yeah. um, in, especially in your own kind of niche genre. How does that yeah. feel? Um, it feels great, man. Cause it feels great, cause like, I guess I'm not 
really doing I'm just like trying to express myself more than anything and like as much as that sounds like purist I guess I I guess that's why I fell in love with music like I saw it as like this like really pure thing and um because it helps me heal like I have to constantly like like go with my feeling you know so I don't really um I don't know like like when with me achieving everything it's like it's always wild to me because I'm like oh I'm just I'm just making what I think sounds good and then when I start finding out that other people think it's good too then that's always like just I don't know it always surprises me so all the things that I've done like whether like headlining festivals or playing at big festivals and stuff like I don't know I'm always just like grateful for that um because I'm not really following anyone so it's like just carving my own lane doing my own thing yeah. so uh do you mind taking us back to your early years your childhood like wh- where did you actually grow up because it wasn't in it wasn't yeah. Johannesburg right yeah no it wasn't it I was, was uh yeah Swaziland is that right <laughs> no. am I pronouncing that right no, you're, pronoun- you're pronouncing that right but it wasn't in Swaziland it, it's close to Swaziland though um it's in a, oh. a, a province in South Africa called KwaZulu Natal um, I grew up in a place called Empangeni, which is like, so it's like northern, like east coast. So it's by the ocean. Um, and like, yeah, like life there was just like, I don't know. I had, I had nothing to do besides academics, you know, it's a small city, it's a small town. I mean, and, um, there was not really much to do besides that and like skateboard. So I got into music quite early like even before I made it like my brother was making music um and my family used to like play a lot of different genres at home so I guess that's when I kind of I kind of got it from my family just like growing up as the youngest kid of five and yeah like just absorbing everything that was in my environments at the time and yeah it was just like super humble beginnings like poor background but my mom I don't know she gave me the gift of music you know, she used to play a lot of different music and that thing, it used to always feel like I was escaping when I listened to music and I kind of fell in love with that sort of healing components of it. And yeah, yeah, shit. That's great. <laughs> what, 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 that's really cool. So what kind of music is your mom playing? What, what, what age are you in? Oh. Like from eight to 10? Oh, snap. So I'm probably, yeah, I'm probably like around about like seven, eight, like where, I guess I'm starting to like like songs because <laughs> before you're just hearing what everyone else is playing and you, you're not really having your mm-hmm. own taste but I guess I started developing then um, she used to play a lot of like opera music gospel music and like um, R&B but everyone in my family had like different tastes so my dad played electronic music a lot like played a lot of dance music a lot of Daft Punk and my brothers played a lot of hip-hop um, so I was just like ingesting all of these things as like music. I wasn't thinking of it as like genres or whatnot because I didn't know what genre I was listening to at the time. But I guess, I guess that's when it's it all like starts um, being something that I'm falling in love with, where I'm I'm also hearing all the connecting dots between these different genres. So I'm not hearing them as a separate thing. Um, and yeah, like like my brothers used to play hip hop like a lot of rock and roll, like alternative rock, like Coldplay, Linkin Park. And yeah, all of it was just like exciting to me, especially the stuff that, that felt like it wasn't the same, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. So not to uh, age you or 
say your age, but what what kind of years are we talking about? Like when you're listening to this music growing up, like is it oh, early two yeah, thousands well, or no no no? I, it's, it's it's mid nineties. So I'm born in ninety okay. one. I'm born in ninety one. Okay. So like I grew up in in the nineties, like well, well like my childhood years, and so that's mm-hmm. when I'm hearing that. And then when the two thousands come in, I'm that's when like I start trying it myself. So when I was eleven. I started like writing lyrics myself, trying to see if I could make a song. And at 13, um, that's when I started making beats. Like my mom got this old computer and we, my brothers installed like Fruity Loops on there. And yeah, I just tried it and I fell in love with it. Like the whole thing of like yeah. having an idea and I was hearing it in like a few hours, just like drove me mad. Mm. I was like, okay. <laughs> it became addictive. That's super cool. So Fruity Loops when you were 13. That's pretty young. I didn't. I didn't get a, even a computer until I was eighteen or something. Oh, Seth. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky, man. We we're, we're, were pushing my mom for like to get us a, a computer. She got us this like used computer, um, that was like, just really bad. Like no RAM, slow. no hard drive, slow. Uh, yeah, floppy disks, all of that. <laughs> and like, yeah. So it was. It was. I was lucky, you know. Damn, and so how, um, like, so your brother was making music. Did he, like, show you, like, around the software, or did you just kind of, like, get dive in yourself? Or? Um, I, I dove in myself, because, like, he, he was rapping. He used to, like, write lyrics and rap, really, so he wasn't really making the beats and stuff. Um, so I, I figured that I'd make beats for him. I think that's how it initially started. I just like, yo, I'll learn this thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll make beats for you. And... Yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> I ended up making beats for myself. <laughs> <laughs> is is he yeah. still playing music at all? Does does he nah. make beats at all? Nah, 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 nah. He's 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 done with it. I think it was just like I don't know if it was a phase. I don't know, <laughs> but I caught onto it for real. Did you have any like uh, friends or other people in town that were like doing music, like in bands or musicians or um, anything like that? Or? I I think like it it got to a point where like. Um, like other young producers started knowing of each other because obviously you try to produce for like the local rapper, the local singer. And then we all started like meeting up. So there was a guy in town called Lin, um, Dun Phantom. He used to make beats. There was a guy called MK1. He used to make beats also. So all of us as producers would like, I guess come like, like meet up and then play each other our beats to see like, like what you can learn or whose beat is like better. Um, so that went on throughout like my high school years really. Uh, it was just like working with other kids from high school and trying to get as much music out as you possibly could. It was bad, but like we're, we're doing it still. <laughs> so bad, but so good. <laughs> yeah. Was everyone like, yeah, doing like the same genre? Like, did you find that there were some people were like doing something drastically different from what you were doing? Or? Um, at the time, we were all like making hip hop. Really, everyone was like making hip hop because I guess there was like more rappers like there's so many rappers and everyone wanted to be a rapper so it was like um hip-hop felt like the way then um but at home i i used to make like different things like i used to try making like dubstep or try making like house music or anything that i that i felt like i loved at the time um and hip-hop was more so because of my brother really like it 
as much as it it influenced me, it was more so like the energy of hip hop rather than the actual genre of hip hop that that mm. really inspired me. Um, I liked the confidence of it, and um, but not really. I knew I wasn't a rapper. <laughs> I yeah. knew that part wasn't there. So did you try? Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> Of course I tried. <laughs> of course I tried. But like my friend was so was so much better than me, man. He was really good, and I was like, "Yo, I'd rather just make beats for 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 like people around me, and stay as a producer." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that we're not like cool. um, that we're not for like my my entire like high school career really, and only when I went to varsity was when I felt like confident enough to try and. So I'm like now I'm like seventeen. And I'm going to uh, university and like uh, that's when I was trying to like rap myself or sing myself and stuff um, I tried like uh, I tried that for like two years and then I figured I'd just like start DJing and do my own thing really and then that's mm-hmm. how the whole sort of me getting more confident with like my sound and what I wanted to do um, really started I think I remember um, reading about a time when you were doing one of these first DJ shows and you'd said there wasn't a lot of time, but you wanted people to remember who you were because they only gave you like three minutes or something. Yeah. So you were doing your set, but then you went outside of kind of behind the, your equipment and, and did the vocals and kind of yeah. performed it yourself a lot. So how did, could yeah. you describe that night and how that felt? Oh, snap. So this is, this is 2000 and- 18 this is 2018 so it's like recent so i'd been djing for like um five years at the time or something and yeah i was supposed to play a set and i still considered myself like a dj that made the music he dj and then when they cut my set to three minutes like i think i don't know if it's three or five minutes but it was short so it went from like 45 minutes to like five minutes and um so when they did that I figured that, like, yeah, no, everyone's going to forget me. It was, like, a stressful moment, obviously, at the time. I'm like, what am I going to do? And then um, I saw the mic. Like, some guy had left the mic or whatever. So I just took that mic and I performed one of my songs. And after doing that, like, that, like, people cutting my set short ended up being, like, a blessing because I enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, snap, this feels good. Mm -hmm. So then I started doing the whole, like, I DJ some songs, I perform some songs, and it's, like, this sort of fluid performing thing where I'm DJing and performing at the same time. But that was kind of one of the first steps into being your own artist where you're performing your music as a presentation. Yeah, Yeah, because before I was just like a DJ, you know? I was just a DJ before and I was like um, making the music, obviously, but I'd never really performed it. So that's when it started becoming more of like an artist thing. So that was kind of the seed, the kind of the catalyst that led you in the next coming weeks. How long did it take you to start building another project where you're like, I want to be the vocalist and I want to perform this out um, yeah. as a as a or artist? Um, I I think because the music that I was making, I was already doing vocals on it. I just wasn't performing it, so it it felt mm. like, it felt supernatural for me. Where after I liked performing it, I was like, oh man. I'll just I'll just do that every time I'm performing. <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but now obviously it's like there's like the technicalities of of it were a bit like took a bit of getting used to. I mean, I'm DJing, I'm leaving the track playing, I'm going and I'm and I'm performing. It's very like risky. Anything could happen, and it's like for me, I just like that adrenaline. 
I like that thing of feeling like I'm gonna fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could at any moment, but everybody in that room is is experiencing that same moment. So it's yeah. very cool. Yeah. So 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 it always feels like it always feels like it has a very like exciting on the edge feeling about it because. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I, 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 sometimes I'll forget. I'm like, oh snap, the track is about to end or whatever. So I can't perform the whole song. I need to go back and mix in the next song. But that whole sort of back and forth thing for me um, is something that I really, really love. And I, I've never seen anyone else do it. So I guess, yeah, yeah. it is what it is. Well, and what gear are you using on stage to do all this? Is it like a tractor um, or something? Or like yeah, Ableton? Tractor. Tractor and um, yeah, a microphone, and then well, super the simple. Just, yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Like I yeah. don't like I, I I sometimes have visuals and stuff, but like for the most part, I I just like the rawness of like that thing. It's why I don't have like like I don't work with a band or anything like that because that would mean that I'd have to rehearse so much, make it so perfect that. I have no room to improvise. I have no room to to read a crowd. I have no room to have fun. Because <laughs> mm, everything yeah. is like re- rehearsed to the T. So for me, it's always just like, oh, what am I? What am I gonna play today? Oh, okay, I'll figure it out. You know, and and that's how yeah, that's how I treat every gig. That's how I treat every performance. It's like I gotta have fun. Cool. So from this kind of transition that we're talking about from the, the DJ Muzi to the artist Muzi, yeah. what are you thinking about in terms of how you want to like market yourself as far as image and brand? Are you starting to yeah. think about that stuff, your, what you're wearing and how you're presenting yourself? I don't know if you were online at this time, but you know, in, yeah. in, to the public. Yeah, I think, I think by the time, because like, that's the time when, when um, Afrovision dropped and Afrovision I guess is the album that like sort of opened up like the market for me um especially here at home um and abroad but like it it I, I, I got on a lot of people's radar because of that album and by that time I mean when this album drops I'm 27 like I already knew myself so I never really thought of myself as like from a brand or marketing perspective um i've always just like i'll be myself you know especially mm-hmm. i think then like instagram was booming and and like everyone was like everyone just felt perfect and i i don't like perfect you know <laughs> everyone felt like too clean and all these mm-hmm. clothes that i can't afford and all of these things and it's like for me i i wanted my form of inspiration to be like the the most like like basic human one you know just like oh yeah this guy is being himself and that's enough you know i never wanted it to be like like something that stood out or like this master plan of how i should look or whatever i just i just post what i like (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and yeah and i guess that worked for me because the people that i sort of attracted were people that wanted that for themselves like in their own lives you know the idea of just being so I don't I don't want to hop around too much. We're trying to kind of go on a narrative chronological order, but I know you lived in Berlin, Germany for a little while. When was that? Yeah, so in the timeline. So in the timeline, that's um 2 years before. So 20 20 2016, 2017, I was staying in 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 Germany. 
and then 2018 that's when afrovision drops but i was back home okay. at that time yeah so um, and boom shaka had already come out at that time is that right the yeah. first full length boom shaka came out 2016 i was still in berlin there it's very like bass heavy like just like ultra experimental bass music and mm-hmm. um, I, I made that in berlin and then um i was coming back home like end of 2017 to just visit and i before i came to South Africa, i went to kenya and when i went to kenya like i got inspired by the music so much that I decided to just stop making bass music <laughs> and I was like you know what I'm gonna make music that feels more like like home um and I'm gonna be brave I'm gonna try my best and I'm gonna be brave enough to do that you know because obviously this my whole journey feels like just like me getting more more and more confidence as I'm growing older so um I did that and I decided to stay at home and I didn't go back to Berlin. Like I literally left my apartment and all my stuff there. I was just like, oh, I'm out. I was like, I'm out. No way, dude. Really? It was like it was like the most Muzi out. <laughs> yeah, it was the most impulsive <laughs> thing. And um, yeah, I decided to stay home. And 2018. Um, and then when I stayed at home, that's when I created Afrovision. And 2018, I dropped Afrovision. And yeah, things changed for me. So one one thing I'm like sensing is like how important is it for you to physically be in a space like or an environment uh, to like be influenced to create the music? Because you talked about yeah. like Berlin, like I'm, I'm assuming you went out to a lot of shows and you're experiencing a lot of like the bass heavy culture there, like yeah. that influenced you and like how much does like going out and doing that influence you in what you create? Yeah. I guess. Um, it it helps me like a lot because I get. I think I get to see where I fit in, you know, like, like, it's like when you see other artists, um, I, I, I don't learn by saying, oh yeah, that artist is doing that. I'm going to do that. More so it's like, um, where do I fit in, in this whole like spectrum of like music industry, you know? Um, and I like it when, when I go to shows and I hear no one sound like me, I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> I'm a one of one and like that idea um it's why like I go out and I try to check out as many shows as I possibly can um and also learning from other sounds like for instance when I was listening to techno music for instance and like trying to break it down in my head um there's not a lot going on but everything is going on and so I learned like simplicity from techno in 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 Berlin that's where I learned it just like the idea of like simple song but obviously getting to simplicity when you make a music is the hardest thing because you just want to add and you want to add and you want to add, you know? So um, I had to learn that and Berlin helped me with that. And like me being like able to travel the world helps with that because I get to see how other people dance, you know? Some people dance to the to the, to the the kick, some people dance to the clap, some people dance, uh. some people listen to melody, you know, like it's, it's, it's different and and then I'm able to take all of that, I guess, and and um, implement it with my music. Yeah, that's something I observed recently. We recently played a show, uh, yeah. Capitol Hill Block Party in Seattle, and uh, actually it, the same venue that uh, Muzi played. Yeah, a I saw a while you, back. Did you play Barboza when you came to oh, Seattle? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. So we, we played there last Friday. Oh snap! Oh snap! That's um, part part of a festival, and uh, it is. It was like our only show of the year so far. So we've done like six months of rehearsal, it seemed yeah. like. And then to see the audience uh, react for the first time to the music, it's like, it's kind of like an aha moment for us. It's like, okay, we know yeah. 
what parts of songs or, you know, because I'm a drummer, so, you know, I'm yeah. like <laughs> looking out to the crowd to see how they're dancing. So it's interesting to see you observed. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah, dancing to yeah, the kick, man. the snare sort of thing. I, yeah, I just think like, I think like um, I, I always want to like remain a student. So when, when, when I'm watching like a show, I, I become a fan again. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a student of the music rather than me feeling like I'm an artist watching another artist. Like I'm just like a fan of music, and in that way, I'm always able to learn um, how to take that and like flip it in my own way. You know, and and always like reading the crowd, um, not necessarily reading them to know what to play next, but just just to see what how they react to them. Because I'm not gonna like make the music for them you know it's still like for me it's still a very personal thing but like it's always cool to see what it does to people you know yeah. like I, that's always an interesting thing i was just gonna bring up uh or did you have something to bring up i always have something to say but okay. you can go ahead <laughs> oh so so talk to us about your your child well when when uh was the when were they born yeah uh in the um, timeline where are we um, um, same year as when I dropped Afrovision, so 2018. If we're in 2018, my was born in the same year, also. So like my life changed like two. And that's uh, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say I've heard you speak about how it's really sort of changed your outlook on life and yeah, um, it has. And you even went and uh, put out a release named after your daughter as well. Like it's yeah, very mm-hmm. important to you to do that in your yeah, work. I, yeah, I think I think it like it became became like not about me and i think like that sort of ego death part of it of being like a father like really helped me um become like a better human and i felt like the better i was becoming as a human the better artist i become so it it almost flipped my world because before i just wanted to become like a really great artist i want to be big i want to do this and then Mm. when when my daughter arrived it it like i felt like so accomplished and so fulfilled just from like a life perspective that um my career wasn't how i valued myself anymore you know it wasn't like the thing that like i i attach i attach my self-worth to a lot it just became like my hobby like what i really love doing but why i'm here is like my daughter now you know so that whole shift of like not being so attached to my dream i feel like made me a better artist Mm. and i I was reading right i I saw you kind of reorganized and excuse me my phone dropped i'm sorry everybody (laughs) unprofessional i think it'll survive Um, but how you kind of reorganized your kind of your business i think i'm not sure if we use the word business but like your structure of who's helping you publishers and or reorganizing this in a way that is all about your daughter, essentially, yeah. uh, rather than Muzi, the artist. Yeah, yeah. It became it became very much about like um, with regards to how I tour, when I tour, um, when I'm making music. All of that was around my time, how much time I spend with my daughter. So it's all like around her, and then the career is like on the peripheral, <laughs> even though it means so much to me. I I. I just don't want to have the conversation of like, oh, dad, you weren't around. Like, that mm. shit would like hurt me, you know? So, so I don't want that. Even though I, I, I am able to tour, I, I never want like 
her to feel like I'm not there. And so I decided to do it at the start. Like as soon as she was born, I like flipped everything towards that. So how have you like, it's cool. You've talked a lot about kind of honing your uh, like live approach kind of thing. Um, yeah. I'd also like, kind of like to hear about the studio uh, mm-hmm. aspect as well a little bit. And I yeah. guess we'll talk about that first. Uh, yeah, I, have, I had a follow-up question. But yeah, do you want to sort of talk a little bit about your approach in the studio and how yeah. you go about writing material? Yeah. Um, uh, I think I, I primarily like look for inspiration. So that part usually means I just have to live life which is really hard to do sometimes because I always want to create, but um, I had to teach myself that, like, I needed stories, you know? So I'll, so I, so I'll go, like, the first step is, like, I don't know, just living your life first, you know? So I, I'm getting this, these experiences, I'm getting to experience my life, I'm getting to enjoy it. And then the next step would be, like, when I feel like I'm in a creative space, I will usually, like, open up my laptop, go on Fruity, and then the first thing that usually comes in are like, sometimes it's melody and sometimes it's drums, you know? So so I'll have like a beatbox, I have a voice note idea and something, and then I'll listen to that. And um, then I try to find a file of a project I've made that kind of sounds similar to that so that I don't like start from scratch. I'll be like, oh yeah, there's a drum, there's a drum I used. Um, nice on this idea or whatever because a lot of these ideas would be like stepping stone ideas like that are leading to the song so i'll go and like listen to my other ideas and be like oh yeah these these drums or the way like they're um programmed or whatnot sounds similar to that idea and then i restart that that whole project with the drums saved from previous projects or whatever and and then i just create from that because it always feels like it's like this rabbit hole that's going to disappear. So like I'm in this rabbit hole and I'm trying to find this idea. And therefore that process is usually very quick for me to go from idea in head to hearing my idea. That part is usually quicker. And then after that, it's me like fine tuning it. So I'll then start reducing, taking things out, um, seeing if I can, if I can come up with lyrics for the melodies that I was singing and yeah and that's usually the process and then the latter part of that after the idea is done i think that's the part that usually takes like longer so it takes weeks or months for me to just like sit with the song until i feel like it's as good as it possibly can mm-hmm. yeah. and so you said you're still using fruity loops primarily yeah. is that yeah. awesome so where where are you where's your studio is it is this at your house do you go to a different studio what do you, how do you work um my studio's at home Studios in my house, and and then, so I usually work from there. I'll mix it, the, uh, and then I'll do the mixing there, and then I will obviously play the mix the mix downs in like different systems. So that's when I go into other people's studios to like check it out on like different speakers. Obviously, you gotta play it in the car. <laughs> you know, you gotta play it on your phone, and then that's usually the process of me mixing. I play it on my phone, I play it in the car. I go to like two studios or three studios, like play it there come back, write notes in all those different scenarios, come back and like rectify that back at home and then I just leave it be. But so you make some master your stuff as well? I don't I don't I, I don't master it. Um, I send it to a mastering engineer. But you mix? Yeah, I mix it myself. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask like how does like cuz there's so many things involved, you know, um in this process like 
you know yeah do you find yourself battling technology and technical things or have you found a way to sort of like minimize that so you can just like flow when you're in the yeah. creative like mindset so uh, yeah like i don't i don't um i don't go i don't have like a midi keyboard like i have i have two like since um so i'll create the thing and then after i've created it i'll replay like my sort of chord progressions or whatever with the synth or just to get like i don't know a different type of warmth that i can't get digitally um but the whole process is usually very much like digital programming first and then i'll listen to a song and then after that it's like obviously you just like you're chipping away at it until you find the core of it and then i build on that core and that's how the song is but almost all of it is at home my setup is sound card laptop speakers mic like there's not much going on um yeah yeah, there's not much going on and then like with i guess instruments or piano guitar whatever that's usually at the end when i've produced the whole thing and the whole thing is done and i'm just like okay i need to play something like that or i need to get someone to play something exactly like that and then Mm -hmm. and then that's it cool yeah very cool so in relation to your creative process could you do you have any daily rituals or, or things you do throughout your day to, yeah. to make things happen for yourself? Um, I, I always like try to create something because I believe in, I believe in the idea of like, um, you can't, can't build on an empty canvas. So I need to, even if it's not like a full song, even if it's just drums, even if it's just like weird humming or lyrics or whatever, I'll do it because um, I like respecting all my ideas. So every day, like, I'll wake up, I'll chill for a bit, like, have coffee or whatever, watch Netflix. Um, what, t- what time do you wake up, if you don't mind me asking? Okay, so my, de- my regular day is, like, I wake up at 7, and then I take my daughter to school, I come back, I nap. <laughs> I nap again, and then I wake up at, like, I guess 10-ish, and... Um, I usually tidy up. Well, if if I feel like tidying up, <laughs> I'll, tidy, I'll tidy up, and then and then I'll and then I'll just sit on my computer and listen to like the most recent stuff that I've been making. So I listen to all of them. I get through them, and then um, sometimes when I'm hearing something that's similar, I start seeing how they sound together. So I start taking ideas from both sides, like playing around with that. And obviously when you're doing that you sort of get into this flow where you're not really conscious about what you're doing you're just like doing stuff um so i'll get into that and maybe around about one ish i'll be done and then like go fetch my daughter from school um and then chill with her i don't create when she's around so like just chill with her she's sleeping over it's cool if i have to take her back home i'll take her back to her mom's come back here and then the rest of the night i'm creating so I've yeah. heard you say before, like music is your therapy. I, I'm not sure if you said music is your meditation either, but uh, like, yeah. is it is that in the flow state you feel that, or is yeah. it performing live both? Like, yeah, or... I, I think I think it's I think it's the um, the creative and the live, but it's kind of like a different thing. Like, like I think when I'm creating, it's more, it's more, it's not like it's more of a zone in than a zoning out. And when I'm performing, it's more of a zoning out. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense. Uh, yeah. like, it's like focus and yeah. yeah. When I, when <laughs> I'm creating, it's very like focused oriented, and it's like 
um, I'm in this place where I'm searching for this idea or this idea that's in my head. I'm trying to make it sound exactly like that. So it's more of like an intense thing. And the performing is more of a zone out because it feels like a release of that creative process. You know, like when you perform the song, I, I guess that's the end of the cycle of the idea. Yeah, and, and yeah, so um, the, that, I think that's when the therapy happens because when I'm creating it, I'm 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 so locked into it as the creator of the music that I'm not really in a state to receive it. And then when everything is done and everything is good and I feel like these songs are good, like when I'm performing it, the reciting of those same lyrics or the rehearing of that, like helps me in that instance because I'm like, oh snap, oh, this is actually pretty like positive like <laughs> so I, I, I did i didn't receive it as a listener as a fan of the music when i'm performing it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. very cool yeah yeah i have heard you talk also about like the, the juxtaposition like maybe between sort of darker serious lyrics but like happy beats that make yeah. people want to dance kind of thing is that like yeah touch a little bit on that um i i there's an artist called uh brenda fassi like she she's like she's a south african legend um, and she, she, she used to make music to me that sounded like that. Like it'll be music about like heartbreak and, um, she feels like she's not enough for someone and all of that stuff. But the beat would be like vibey and happy. And, and I sort of fell in love with sort of that idea of, I don't know, breaking that rule. Oh yeah, it's a sad song. Let me play some minor chords or some sad so uh, chords or whatever. And it's like, oh man, that's so predictable. But she came through and it was just like super happy beat. But like the song would have some real like, um, I don't know, like a message in it. And I like that. I like speaking about the fact that like I have like doubts and sometimes it's not really as perfect as people might think it is because I'm human and I'm having a human experience and you know so I don't like hiding I don't like making obviously it has its place but I don't like making music um that helps people escape I like making music that helps people remember you know whether that's mm. remembering who you are or or being confident enough to be who you are you know so yeah that's great yeah that was a great answer inspiring man <laughs> uh i guess uh, i don't want to go too far away from like the creative and mindset and the grind type thing but could you talk to us the context of your music and yourself yeah. um in the context of like south africa and what's going on almost a little politically but also musically just a little bit of the history and how you're connected to that yeah um i guess um I'm born when apartheid is still a thing. Like apartheid was still a thing. It hadn't been abolished at the time. And so obviously being part of the first generation to live in a free South Africa um, makes me political just by being born at that time. You know, right. I'm, born, I'm born in a political country. Like, so by default, I'm in a a place where there's still a lot of, I guess, unlearning and relearning that we like that needs to happen. For the country to heal so um in that context that's why like i guess my music always has like maybe like a political connotation to it sometimes like where i'm like speaking about like black love or all these things like um it's the idea of yo we're new to this <laughs> you know it's it's i've i've, I've 
I've I've looked up to so many artists that like never got a chance to, I guess maybe tour as much as I have or go into the world as much as I have. So it, it kind of feels imperative that I do that, that I go and I'm like, yo, this is what we're doing back at home, and I'm showing everyone that. So I think even here, like, I don't make music that sounds like other artists in South Africa. You know, it's 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 different even at home. But I guess at home they all have the context of knowing, I guess where I'm in, like like which giants I'm standing on. So they know that I I they know who Brenda Fassi is. We all grew up listening to her, so they know that I'm 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 I'm, I'm look I look up to that. And, and all these other like South African um, artists that I look up to, even the house DJs and stuff. And I'm trying to just like take all of that and I guess show light to that in a way that maybe those artists never had a chance to, you know, because the way it was looking from me was like, oh, this guy is as, is as good as maybe the, the biggest guy in America or the biggest artist in America. But they just don't have the same platform or the same infrastructure to get there. So if if in a way I can get that, then it felt like we're all winning in that regard. So I guess I'm part of that sort of lineage of South African artists that are taking it to the world, you know, and not just keeping it not just keeping it regional, but like going everywhere and doing what we do. Yeah, how yeah. did you say? I was sorry, like the yeah, you realized like yeah. europe's a plane ticket away you know it's not like a yeah it's not, it could be a bigger like hurdle for a lot of people to think about going overseas but yeah it's really it, not that <laughs> yeah man it can't be like it can't be like this mental sort of thing and i used to have that you know that i, I used to have i used to think like it was so far and all of that and like once i started doing it a lot more like traveling a lot more um it sort of opened my mind to that that like i could do it and i could go and and try everywhere instead of just like trying in one area and um i guess yeah that that is how i sort of even maybe see myself like as this just like i don't know beacon of hope because i come i come from like very very like bad situations you know like monetarily you know but i i think my mom like instilled this sort of sense of like love for community and then when i started traveling i realized that i could have a community all over the world like i could have friends everywhere and it wasn't just like limited to south africa yeah um so i would like to sort of touch on the industry side of things a little bit um because yeah i'm sort of curious like you've you've got this really good sort of like outlook that you talked about and creating music performing the music um but like at what point did like the industry and the business side of it come into play when did you start thinking about that side of things and and how did that progress for you um so when 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 i was younger so i'm going a little bit back on the timeline so when i'm going to university like 17 18 years old um when i was like doing my trying to record and trying to rap and all that stuff i was i also started producing for a lot of artists like that were big in the country right and obviously that that didn't go well i was like a young kid you find yourself with like weird contracts you 
um, or you find yourself when you, there's no credit, no contract, nothing, but you know you made the song, so now it's like you versus the machine, you know, oh. <laughs> it's your yeah. word versus versus like yeah. someone that's big. Um, so when that happened, I knew. Do you think I that did... happened on purpose? Um, sorry, <laughs> I know. I just, I just think, I just think like, I just think that not enough information is shared in the music industry. I feel like everything is always like in a shadow or some sort, you know, and you have to. Yeah, it's out. so mysterious. Yeah, man. And you have to find out after you get burnt. Like people always go, oh, yeah, the music industry is demonic. And it's like, maybe you're demonic. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like it's, it's, people always like they always hide this, this, this like big thing that's like, you know, that you can't know. And at the end, you just realize it's your rights. That's the big demon. Is your rights if you know about rights and all different types of rights and you know your power and you know your leverage then you become like a different type of artist because you're not really um an artist that's waiting for a put on so i think after i got burnt the first time i learned that like i needed to read as much as i could about the music industry and the music business and i did that like I've been doing that ever since, really. I read up on almost every article that's out about anything that's new, you know, whether that was when Spotify started or whatever. Like, I, I always try to read up and, and and know what industry I'm in because it's all good when people go, oh, I just want to make music, but that's not true. <laughs> you know, That's a good point. Yeah, it's not true, man. Like, you need to know. I don't want to be, like, the artist that goes... That like gets like super successful and then later on I'm like, oh, they own my rights. And now I'm on Instagram talking about my rights, but I signed. I took the money. I took the marketing spend, you know, like, so I don't, I don't want to be that. So I always try to make myself and like an independent thinker. And my manager, John, helped me with that because he had so much experience in the music industry that all the questions I'd ask him, like, what's this? What's that? Like, he'd freely give me the information. And and then when you have all this information, you realize that there's not much of it that goes around. You know, people mm. don't know. And it's more so, um, I don't know, very much celebrity oriented. And then you become the celebrity and then you realize that you're fucked. Like, <laughs> like you're like, you don't own shit. And, and you don't you don't own um, anything that you make. And like, that is a wild idea to me. So. I, I I was lucky enough to be able to get that information very early on. What do you like? Yeah, because like, like you say, there's like it seems like to me there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen on the industry music side of things. Yeah, from everything like rights and every, all that sort of stuff. But like, I guess like a few questions. Like, why do you think it's so mysterious? And is there a way to dis- demystify it? Are there specific things that like every artist could or should be doing? Like as basic foundation like yeah. to build their career like um i think i think it's like it's it's it i think it sucks that like the artist is uh usually ends up not owning anything that they make and like putting their hearts into something that they don't that they end up not making but like i guess that's how the industry is they need to own your rights and leverage them and like market them knowing that they're marketing something that they own so they exploit it really well because they own it i get that but i i get that if i was a robot (laughs) 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 but i'm not that you know and and um 
it's I guess I guess the 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 mystery like making it like a mystery part helps labels and helps people make money you know but um it helps everyone but the artist you know it almost feels like everyone always knows like when you watch these music movies like of like music like artists from back in the day it always felt like yeah. every, everyone knew besides them you know yeah. and and i don't i just don't want to be that so it is important to know about your master rights so that you know what you're getting yourself into if you want to sign them away that's cool if you want to license them that's cool too but like at least know what you're getting yourself into you know because um i think that's the thing that usually hurts a lot of artists a lot of artists who like end up being having been super successful having a lot of money but you're not feeling fulfilled because you have nothing to show for it really Mm. you can't i can't I can't take my music and give it to my daughter when I don't want to work anymore. Imagine that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I like how you're touching on reading. Is there any, anything you could shout out any good books or particular articles or even websites? Um, where yeah. there's a lot of good information that you use. Um, uh, there's a book called, I think it's called all you need to know about the music industry or everything you need to know about the music industry. It's like a thick book, but like, they they updates it every year and like it pretty much touches on everything um that has to do with this like your different rights different types of rights different types of licensing um marketing what that means all of that so there's that but the real thing for me is i watch interviews also i watch a lot of artists you know and i like study it and i'm like um when people talk about i guess uh yeah, when they talk about what happened with their deals and their rights or whatever. Like, I always learn from that because the idea for me is always like, if they can do it to that artist, they, then they will definitely do it to me. So I need to know that and I need to, like, protect myself from those things because I want to own, like, my rights, you know. I want to I wanna always have ownership of that. And even though that's, like, a harder way, I guess, um, I don't know. At, at least I, at least everyone that plays me know that they're supporting me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, also in this day and age, right, like, uh, it's kind of harder and harder to, you know, have a label work for you, you know, or get signed to a label. Like, pretty much everyone has to start themselves doing everything. Maybe get some help along, like, later down the road kind of thing. But, yeah, that's why I feel like it's more important to get that info like now for every artist right like yeah yeah man because it's like like um down the road could also mean that like you stop doing what you love so much because of the industry because of like your lack of knowledge obviously they like if someone that makes money from rights doesn't want you to know that they make money from rights it's it's simple it's, it's, it's business, you know? It's the so business ob- thing. Yeah. yeah. The so cutthroat thing. So obviously they wouldn't let you know that that's how they make their money. You know, when they move all these rights around and they sell them to hedge fund companies and all of that and they make so much mm. money, you know, and you're stuck there like, oh yeah, that's my song. But it doesn't matter, you know? So, um, yeah, the, the the learning part of it is, is crucial, man. And like, uh, labels, labels still sign people, but... Obviously, it has it, it. Sometimes it feels like it's never really good for the artist, unless if it's a huge artist that has big leverage or whatever. But if you're 
um it's rare to find like people that will actually like take your work and push it the way they say they're gonna push it mm. and the only way to find that out is when you're actually in it yeah so, yeah so yeah. learn by doing like yeah, yeah. and do you have a, a publishing deal though right yeah Did you get that early on as well and that was maybe yeah. better than a record deal like um i think i think because it's a it's licensing and like um they get i i liked that idea of me licensing it to them they exploit it for a month like a period of time and i get my shit back and mm. the the cool thing was that like i then used the money i was getting from that to then not have to sell my master rights so one part is the part that I always own and the other part we we were lucky enough that we got that first before a recording deal and but that helped me like get into ads and do all of that so I was making like money and I didn't need to get a deal because I just used that money to like market myself use that money to do my own shows use that money to make merchandise and stuff and it sort of then that gave me like I don't know a, a, a bit more room to just like play around with ideas Cause there's no one, there's no, there's no like real like A and R shutting down my ear. This is what I want. This is what you need to make. It, it it could be pure the way that I want. I always wanted it to be. So I did that. Yeah, I got the deal. What twenty fifteen or something, and yeah, we've had a great relationship with them. Um, BMG Chrysalis in London, and yeah, it's just been it's just been great. And then on my on my right side, I guess I've been just getting like distribution deals or marketing and distribution or licensing so i've been playing around in those tiers and um obviously with every deal you 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 recoup and after that like you with the marketing spend that they give you you recoup that and then obviously that puts you into be in a better place but i also try to keep the deals short so that by the time i'm recouped i'm free and then I've mm. I've built I've built my career to a particular point and then I can move forward and have more leverage and get better deals and just like keep doing that. Yeah. yeah. And do these opportunities happen like through your own networking or do you have like a team of people helping you out? I know you have a manager, um, John, you mentioned Yeah. I have I have I have a team, man. Like I have I have John, my manager, I have Sim who like she's like um our uh like she does our PR. I have um Darren who's my lawyer um, I have an accountant so the whole thing is just like I run the whole thing like it's a label but for one person <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I run it so I run it like that so it's like um, uh, you find out maybe who Sony or who Universal is using for like particular PR for like maybe alternative acts and then you get that PR person mm. and you try to like so it's like I'm I'm looking I'm studying and I'm copying <laughs> <laughs> what the big guys do, yeah, yeah. The big labels do, and then yeah. So no, it's not it's not just one man. Like it's it's a whole team of people that help me. Well, there's a few like because I'm always interested in like you know artist perspective on each sort of facet of the industry. We've talked yeah. greatly now about like the studio, the live, the industry. Yeah. Um, um, I think there's two other areas that I'm interested in knowing your sort of perspective on, and that's like self marketing social media yeah. and uh and um and brand deals because i know that's like another sort of aspect for an artist 
yeah. beyond the rights, beyond the shows of, of bringing in sort of finances. Um, it's like collabs with like Vans and yeah. Nando's that I know you've done and stuff like that. Right? Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, I mean, what's your perspective on yeah the brand deals side um, of things? Like your outlook I, on that? I, I guess with that, like um, with the brand deals, it's... Um, I always try to get aligned with like people that sort of have a similar vision to like what I'm doing. So for instance, like Vans is like great because I also like skateboard. I've been doing that for a while, um, and I I I only wear Vans even without the sort of um, like endorsement mm-hmm. deal. Like I always used to wear Vans anyways. So that was just like a perfect fit. And with if if you don't mind me jumping in, how how did that connection happen between you and Vans? Uh so 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 I I I found out where the office was and I set up a meeting. Old school. <laughs> wow. Simple, okay. Just walk yeah. through the door. <laughs> yeah, I found out where they were. I called them, I told them who I was, I wrote a proposal and I set up a meeting. And then we met them and they liked what they heard and it, but that was here in South Africa. And then, so I was working with the South African vans for like three years before US vans picked up on me. And then now it's it's with both of them. It's with like vans worldwide. So that grew that way. Um, the Nando's thing, Nando's found me on SoundCloud in 2011 or 2012 or something. Um, and yeah, and they like the music and they... Because they collect art, right? It's not just like the, all the art that you see in Nando's like spots is like their own, and like they support a lot of African artists through the through through buying their art, and they wanted to go from visual arts into music. So, um, they used me and Stormzy as the guinea pigs of that. So we did that, and that was great. And but that's how that thing happened. That was through SoundCloud, and with the other sort of brand deals, I guess. Uh, with the money that I was making from like I guess making ads and doing like getting sync stuff I would take that money and do shows right and I'd, and I'd do like free shows for people and those shows would like be like hectically packed and I guess that made me attractive to brands because that's when I obviously to um, answer your other question that's when I'd involve social media so I'd take this and I'd film it and I'd drop it same day and people would see that oh snap like this guy actually has like some like level of pull and um that made me attractive to brands because i'm i'm not a saturated market like it's just me that does this Mm -hmm. so um i guess that makes me unique in that regard and um a lot of brands just always hit me up because of that reason like i don't sound like anyone i don't my Instagram is not like anyone's. Like I just, I'm just myself, and that has been my gold. I love it. I love it. Yeah. How was uh the the Stormzy thing, by the way? You went to the UK, right? Yeah. And yeah. saw like some of the scene he was a part of and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was a yeah. it was was a cultural exchange, and so they took me to the UK to go see like grime scene and to go like chill with him, and he was really cool. It was really nice. And then he came to South Africa to go to come see my side of things and my side of life and went to go see my mom, like just like the whole vibe of like seeing like the culture of South Africa from my eyes where I grew up. Mm. And um, yeah, so it was just like it was it was it was um, Nando. It was called actually called Nando's Cultural Exchange. 
like so it was a music exchange program and um yeah it was amazing it was my first time in the uk um i got to know that grime and uk rap are two different things and all of that it was just <laughs> interesting yeah yeah, yeah. To take a step back real quick, I'm still kind of on the brand and imaging thing is in the context of uh, your clothes, Muzi. Where do you yeah. shop? Oh, man. Uh, I thrift. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I thrift a lot. Um, I get clothes from Vans. And uh, yeah, it's just like if it's not from Vans, it's it's thrifted, really. Like I I don't know. There's, there's a particular fit that I, I, I got to have and... So I have like a particular look that kind of really resembles my dad's look. It's how I remember my dad with the hats and all of that. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, and, and even that, I think, I think a lot of people just like related to, I guess the simplicity of that, you know, like I, I, you can't see my money through my Instagram. You can't see my success through my Instagram. You just, you just see me. You know, and yeah. I like I like That's that. That's how idea. we want to see. Yeah, man, I like that idea. Like one of my favorite bands is Daft Punk for that reason. It stuck to the music. Mm. It became about mm-hmm, that, yeah. you know. And that's what I'd like for myself. We yeah. gotta get you a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing you're missing. <laughs> nah, go anonymous. Nah, man, they've already done. I wouldn't go anonymous. Like a lot of a lot of like black kids need to see me do this thing, you know. And like, oh yeah, you know, that, yeah. yeah. That's very true. That's a good point. Yeah, they need to see me, you know, like, um, and I think um, that's why, like, I show myself, like, I wouldn't be anonymous for anyone. And but the the idea of I'm, I think that's the only thing that I that kind of I struggle with when it comes to social media, the idea of keeping it all about music on a platform that wants you to constantly perform for the platform. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's Instagram. You have to, or it's TikTok, and you have to do it like that. Yeah. And and I just want like, I just want to be known for my music, you know. So yeah. that's always like a constant struggle, and maybe a lot of artists like struggle from that thing where it, social media usually ends up feeling like it's not about it's it's, it's about marketing. Well, I, I think like also like maybe a lot of artists like don't know what to post, so they're like, oh. I'll just yeah, film yeah. my lunch or something like that. It's yeah, like, it's, man. It's like you kind of have to think about, like, I mean, and do you think a lot about what content you can put out there on social media around, like, music or, or anything else you want to express? Like, you know, um, or, or is it just more of a fly, go on the fly sort of thing? No, 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 I do, I do think about it. Like, I think about what I'd like to see, you know. That's how, I guess, if I do have a, a brief for by social media i think it's that like i post what i'd like to see like um if i looked up to someone i'd want to see like these things that i post on my feed like i'd want to know how they made the song i want to know how they view their lives and obviously i'm a dad so i post my daughter sometimes like and like all of that is 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 more so very um attached to the sort of artist I'm trying to be and the sort of message I want out, you know, that like, yo, um, I'm living my life and you can live your life too. If you are, if you're in this community, it's all about us living our lives and living our truths, like as honestly as we possibly can. 
and my tool for that is music but the idea is to I guess inspire people enough for them to use their own tools their own mediums as well you know and just like bring some light into this shadow industry <laughs> <laughs> so what's what's looking into the future Muzi what, what, is, what are your plans where, where um, do you want to go how do you want to feel looking into the future um, I, I made a lot of people, I, I, because I, I recently toured in America, the whole month of June I was there, so I made a lot of really like, yeah, we missed you. Oh man, it was really nice. <laughs> um, but like I, I made a lot of good friends and I made a lot of musicians. So I think I'm opening up a bit more to regards to like collaborate, collaborating with people. So I'm, I'm kind of in that process right now. I'm also creating, I don't know if it's an EP or an album or whatever. I'm just like creating a lot um, ever since I got back home. So I'm just, I'm in a, I'm in that space right now. I'm just like living life and creating a lot, you know, I'm not in release mode as yet. So I think for, mm-hmm. the, near, for the near future, it's more so like that it's, it's um, making a new album I don't know, coming up with new ideas for like, cause we also like shoot our own videos and stuff and just like coming up with interesting ideas um, to just keep the ball rolling. Yeah, how involved are you with the visuals actually? I wanted to touch on that. You have I a dir- I, great content I di- out there. I direct everything that you've seen that has oh. a Muzi name in it. Like all of it. Nice. Yeah, like I, I, I get help, you know, and I also do it with my friend, but the initial idea always has to be like mine because because of the the story like i need to tell the story in my way <laughs> i need to tell it my way yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. the way we yeah. want to hear it yeah yeah man obviously receiving help you know i'm not i'm not a not a one-stop shop like i need help so yeah well awesome yeah. i think this has been a really great discussion yeah man it's yeah. been uh very inspiring like i say every time we even just through our own research, like we, you know, yeah. but like just hearing you talk about these things just adds a new level of like, I just yeah. like the outlook on each aspect of it. It's really inspiring, man. It's, it's really amazing to hear uh, how intimate of a look we can get from, you know, how direct from you. So yeah. it's, uh, we're really grateful for that. So thank you for being here with us. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I have a question for you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, like, okay. When you're talking about like the, the, the industry, like how with that question like how do you guys like see it like how like do you feel that um all artists should like know about like this master rights stuff or publishing rights like like where do you see it with regards to how the industry like arts versus commerce i mean, I, th- I think artists today kind of kind of like you mentioned in some interviews and stuff like you kind of you're you're a business as an artist yeah. you're a ceo and you got to kind of organize it like that from your financial stuff to the creative stuff and make sure everything's flowing correctly. Um, and you, you can allocate your energy to the different aspects of your career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it's a, it's a lot. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's really important to build a team. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and even greater than that, a community, you yeah. know, so, so building these foundational teams and communities, is is what's centered to everything that we do as as humans i think yeah 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 okay yeah i think for me like i've like played with a lot of artists and known a lot of artists that um you know they do great work 
they perform well, they're like their music's sick and everything like that. But they, when it comes to the rest of it, I feel like they're grasping at straws. They don't really know what they should be doing, what they should be focusing on, how things should be organized, you know. And there are some artists I know that like are proactively, they've read that same book that you mentioned earlier kind of thing. Yeah. And are more proactive about it. And I think, the, I think the problem is a lot of artists aren't proactive about it. And also that's hard as well. You have to kind of like, okay, where does the best information reside? Am yeah. I gonna read a book that's gonna just give me a bunch of misinformation or, you know, watch yeah. some videos from people that are just trying to sell you their wares you know yeah. i wish there was just more of like a transparent like availability of information um for artists that they can tap into kind of thing yeah you know that's my I, I, I think that exists today just in the general internet um yeah. I, I think it's really it starts with awareness that yeah. that this information is out there and you do have to kind of hunt it down and find it you but it, it is available and i think that's really important for us all to be aware of you know, yeah. for especially, you know, artists on the precipice of starting a career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, I see I see it in a, in, a, in a similar way. It is hard to, like, go through all of that, like, internet stuff to find, like, the gold of, like, good... It's daunting, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. So I, I understand that. But, like, um, the only reason I started doing it was because I realized that in every other industry besides, like, entertainment everyone has to study before <laughs> everyone, everyone if you want to be a doctor you have to learn all everything you need to know about the human body and then you become a doctor but with music you can just make music you know so you never really get to learn about like the industry or the infrastructure that you're actually in because it's, it's mm. so close to like the human soul it's art so you can literally create it but there's a whole industry there's a whole commercial or in terms of like commerce aspects of it that that you also need to learn about mm-hmm. yeah Spe- speaking um, of which um real quick we didn't touch on it do you how how involved are you with music theory do you know how to read and write music are you pretty nah. intimate with that or by ear nah, mostly i'm not i'm not i like the only the only reason like that i haven't like done that um was because of how the music would come to me so like other from the people that I saw growing up, like people that would play like Mascandi, I think that's where the Mascandi thing comes in. It's like they used to play Mascandi and it, like they wouldn't know what the string is or whatever, but they still play a beautiful song because Mascandi is like it's like it's like folk music, like Zulu folk music, so country music in a way. And I liked the idea of like that purity, you know. Um, because I guess music theory um, essentially is Western, <laughs> you know. So for me, um, like in 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 the way that I fell in love with music, it was more from the earth than it was from like the glamour of it or like the classroom aspects of it. So I learn as much as I possibly can, but I, I. I still struggle with learning the the structural components of music because I feel like it's gonna diminish the creativity for me. Mm-hmm. So so I usually I usually just like go off the hip every time. I'm like my ear will know if it sounds good. <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah, my ear will know if it sounds good, and I have to trust that because that's how I fell in love with it. Um, so I like mm-hmm. keeping that part of it intact. 
Do you think there's anything uh, you would do, maybe not theory-wise, but anything else to like progress? Do you feel like there's more that you need to learn? Yeah. yeah. Um, with that stuff. Yeah. 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 I think. I think. I. I. I actually want to like get like drum drum like lessons and stuff and like piano lessons. But I. I think even after I do that, I'll still be bad at music theory. I'll I'll know how, what the chord is by looking at it, <laughs> you know. I'll know all of that, yeah. but like I wouldn't really be too obsessed about, I guess, what a full cycle is, or the the fact that you can't maybe mix major and minor chords. Why? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know why? <laughs> like, like if it sounds it, good, it, it sounds can break good. the rules, right? Yeah, yeah. So so like my 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 constant thing is like I think it's that part. It's like I want to learn. I want to learn how to play piano so that I can, like, I guess, just get better with, like, my chords, I guess. But, um, for the most part, it's all in here. Mm. You know, I, I hear the song. I don't go to, I don't go to, like, find it in studio. I go to make it in studio because I'm already hearing it here. I'm not trying to find it through instruments. I'm not trying to find it anyway. I'm trying to make it. Mm. I already hear it in my head. So, because that process is different than, like, musicians that play first and then find something and then build that that way like i have to always respect that yeah so awesome yeah yeah it's like it's like just like it's like people you know at home they just love singing that would never pursue a career in music but they just love it so it's me trying to keep that yeah Muzi does it for the love yeah <laughs> i i do I as, love it. As corny as it might sound, I really do. Yeah, <laughs> it's cheesy, but it's it's the truth. Yeah, I speak man, the truth. I, I really do. I really do. But hey, man, I, we appreciate you being here. Unless anybody got anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, is there any, uh, I guess, uh, other artists or films or books or art that you would like to recommend people check out? Um, Concepts even or anything? Philosophy? <laughs> yo, shit. Um, okay. Um, uh, check out an artist called uh, Espacio Dios from South Africa. He's really good. Um, that's a bit of nepotism because he's also like my friend, <laughs> but he's mm -hmm. really good. Um, uh, what else? I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> it's not so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we thank you for being here. We're extremely grateful to Muzi. Yeah, it was great to learn about you and you're going to, we're going to be spinning your tracks on our show, hopefully. And, uh, in Thank our personal so lives because you make some really cool stuff. Thank you. So, um, so thanks for being here. Um, before we do our, our little send-off, uh, look into the camera and tell the people what you got going on in your life, your latest release, what you got, what, what you want them to see. Um, I've got a song called A Day in Chicago that I dropped like a month ago. Um, but uh, other than that, like, you can check out my albums, Interplactic, Zeno, Afrovision, Interplactic Instrumental, Stimulus the EP, Mama EP, and I think like if you listen to them like chronologically, like you sort of get the whole story. Right on, great man, Muzi. Oh. Thank you. Yeah, thank thanks you a lot. So thank Appreciate you. Shop you. You. you too. To all our our listeners, thank you for being here. This was a really uh, great uh, experience. I hope you all enjoyed. If you guys have any questions for Muzi or for me or Jay, let us know. Um, send an email. Wrap it up. Spank it on the bottom to the email at. <laughs> 
uh, Roots to Grooves at yeah. signalradio.com. S-I-G-N-L radio.com. Let's go. Thanks, everybody. The requested number is not available at the moment. Please try again later. I've been feeling kind of lonely. Dream call, she comes through at night. Hey. Tired of being lonely. Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.